In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. And this is RPGs and Baby Makes 3. After a bit of a hiatus here. Bit of a hiatus, yeah. For a number of reasons, and I guess we should kind of address those right off the bat. First and foremost, we've been basically sick for two and a half months. <laughs> yeah, since our son started play school. <laughs> yeah, you might even be able to hear it still in my voice. I know the latest round uh, has been about 10 days, but this is like the latest of multiple rounds of sickness yeah. between and, the two of and us. And you're probably going to have to edit out some hacking. Yeah. I'm not coughing, just hacking. Straight up hacking. Um, so we do apologize for that, but... More than just being sick, we had a friend of ours who a longtime gamer of on our home table, um, Mike Dottavio, we kind of called him Mike Dot, he passed away on September 10th, and it was really hard for Gretchen and I, um, so we... Kind of just, I think we needed to grieve and pull back a little bit and take the time we needed to to heal yeah we kind of haven't been gaming quite as much since then and um it was a complicated situation which we'll kind of talk about more on a future episode but um you know it was a complicated situation and and we're gonna do an episode specifically dedicated to mike here in in the coming episodes but um is there anything else you want to say about that right now or do we just kind of want to leave it at that for now I think that is what I can handle emotionally right now. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to leave it at that right now, but that is the reason why we haven't been on in a little bit, so we should be kind of back into a more normal schedule here in the um, in the coming weeks and everything. So we appreciate your patience out there. Let's dive into this week's episode. Before we roll for initiative, wanted to uh, catch up on an email or a message that we received from our good friend Ben Sperduto of Last Redoubt Games. Actually, before we get into this message from Ben, congratulations to him for his successful Kickstarter of the physical a copy of Hounds of the Czar, which we talked to him about in a recent interview episode that we did. He crushed his funding goals, hitting all the stretch goals, including... Oh, God including a special d4 <laughs> that is included in with the Ron with the game word his click clacks my, my click clacks <laughs> is a special d4 which is really awesome kind of oriented towards a particular 
the czar die in the in the game which he talked about in that interview and also more than that and this is really cool too a full soundtrack to the game was one of the come on all right like look i would expect ben to do a soundtrack for his games now that he set the standard i know so his breath is great so like you yeah. know, I mean... And we've used Murano's Breath when we played his game Weirdwood, because he did a soundtrack for Weirdwood as well, and that was awesome, and so I'm really excited about this, because this will obviously have a Russian flavor, since it's all a about... Flavor, uh, mm-hmm. A like, hint it'll... of cold, vodka-filled nights? No, that's that's a stereotype, right? Um, cold, I think. Yeah, cold, maybe. Is it maybe. a stereotype? I mean, I don't know. Like, what is, what is the, um, what's the soup... That they... Borscht? Borscht. That's what I was thinking Borscht. of. At least that's what I know from the Americans. Yeah, yeah. Everything I know show. about Russia, I learned from the Americans. But anyway, <laughs> Ben sent us this message here. We were An talking... 80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> he responded to our Edition Wars episode, and he kind of had a comment about 4th Edition. He said... But I think it's an interesting game for a number of reasons. My hot take on it is that people don't like it because it's the purest distillation of the game that most people were actually playing at the time, and they didn't like the honesty. By that I mean 4E, 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, stripped away the window dressing that 3.5 players used to convince themselves that they weren't playing a min-max tactical miniatures game, which is basically what every... 3.5 3.5 Pathfinder 5e game actually ends up looking like at the table. I appreciate the honesty of 4e. It embraced the overwhelming emphasis on tactical combat that 3.5e introduced, but always tried to pretend wasn't the core of the game. Look, you can take a social skill feat. It only gives you a plus two bonus, so that's a terrible choice, but still. Sorry, that was a way more of a long-winded answer than you were probably looking for. But you know what's so funny is I, I told you we should find someone to talk about 4E, and you're like, nobody plays it. <laughs> well, but I'm Ben so doesn't glad, play it. Yeah, but I'm glad Ben had a, an opinion on it, so I kind of filled in the gap a little bit. A well-educated opinion on it. And, um, you know, I kind of found it, I find it really interesting because I, I never played 4E, but I did adapt a 4E module for a 3.5 slash Pathfinder game that I ran, the Compass Knights, um, which was a the dancing hut of baba yaga adventure that had come out baba yaga yeah and so i I took from that and what was interesting is it is very tactical it's i mean it was kind of a what are those things called the the like world of warcraft and those kind of games everquest what are those games called morgs something morgs oh morphs or something it stands for something. Yeah. It's like a whole bunch of letters. Oh, see, this is what happens when you're a parent and you don't, you've been sick for two and a half months. Yeah, but you know what? Like, you and I had this discussion earlier today um, about how, you know, if you're honest to people about how you have absolutely no brain power because you have a toddler, they're usually a little bit more forgiving. I don't know if that's going to happen in that (laughs) crowd, but we're going to just, just forgive us y'all. Okay. We're, we're just getting by, we're but the kid is safe and alive and happy. He's super happy. <laughs> he so. is super happy. But yeah, I mean, I think 4E was, is interesting in that. I, but I kind of, I wanted to to sort of get your take on this. Um, 
that they weren't trying to convince themselves they weren't playing a min-max tactical miniatures games, which is essential, which is basically what every 3.5 Pathfinder 5e game actually ends up looking like at the table. I want to know what your feelings are about that because well, you play a Pathfinder game. You just game. hear me laugh. Yeah, that's do you how feel it is. that way? I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm sorry, I do. Okay, when Amanda holds up her little map, I just I see like it just becomes like this thing where I have to like, I don't know. It's like I should have these little miniatures and we're placing them around in the fights, and it's very important where you are and how far away you. It just, ugh. But see, that doesn't necessarily bother me. In and of itself, like if, like. When I see people and they have like the giant maps and it's got like all the cool figures and they're like painted awesome and stuff, like that looks really cool to me. And it's like, as a game, it's interesting. But I think what the problem I have with it is that are we playing a tactical combat game or are we playing a role playing game? Exactly. And I like role playing, I don't want to math. It's interesting, too, because, like, I, so I've been thinking about this, like, so I'm on all these D&D forums, right? And, of course, you know, 5e is the game of the day for Dungeons & Dragons. So there's all these, you know, conversations about that, right? And people will often, like, talk about, like, storytelling and the way that the game is played. And we're going to talk about that as our topic today. But that the way the game is played and the depth of character creation and stuff... And it made me, Ben's comment made me think, like, well, dude, really, it's a combat game. You get experience points for killing things, overcoming challenges, don't get me wrong, you can do all this stuff, but, and you can, you don't have to have combat in it, but it is designed for that. That is what 5th edition is designed for, whether or not you, you know, get into all of the backgrounds and all the other stuff that's happening, it doesn't change the fact that that's what it's designed for. And that's not a criticism necessarily of 5e because actually I really love the, like, the backgrounds and everything that you can do with that. And you don't have experience with that game. But it's a really cool way of character creation. And it certainly pushes the idea of like all the role-playing stuff. But ultimately the characters are about like, well, what can they do with the dice and abilities and roles and things like that. Yeah, I you know? want to play 5e because in all of these D&D forums, people are talking about all of these crazy classes and types of characters that are hybrids and I'm like whoa that sounds awesome what is that it is there's a lot of cool stuff like that I mean I will agree 5e has a really there's a certain appeal to me it's interesting like too like a banana like a banana 2024 now I think they're they're going to there's going to be another edition of the game not probably 6th edition, but it's... I'm hearing some advanced 5th edition, which would be interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, it's good comment by Ben. Really appreciate him sending that comment in. And I think that, you know, this is a, a bigger conversation that we'll eventually get into. But um, but yeah, interesting. And, and I, you're I right. We should totally weird thought. Huh. Do you think the way that the game... So the... D&D is very popular right now. And people are creating all of these stories, and it's very story-based. Do you think that's helping people learn to empathize with others outside of the game? No. No? No, because I think that, at least based on what I see on the forums, 
people refuse to play with people who don't think and act just like them. Mm-hmm. So there is a cultural divide within the gaming community of different types of players. They're not commingling. So it's essentially people play with people who are like them rather than anybody's welcome at the table. Now, people love to say those words, but they what they really mean is anybody who believes the same thing as I am is welcome at the table. Yeah, but even I have boundaries. Well, I'm not saying you don't. I'm not saying we aren't like just like the people I'm describing. I'm just saying that that is at least what I am seeing. And it's not, I don't, I mean... Certainly, people play out and learn things from playing role-playing games about how to socialize and interact, and I think grow. I think that I have. But I don't think that, for the most part, people are more empathetic because mm. of role-playing games, in my mind. That's okay. just me. But Just a random thought I had. <sighs> it's a good thought. We should get deeper into that. Let's, let's put that on the, uh, on the show notes, okay. and maybe we'll do that in the future. Okay. All right, let's roll for initiative. They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. Well, it's been ages since we've recorded a podcast. Yeah, it's been a while. We're going to dust off things. Yeah, so what have we played? Like, what, what's some gaming that we've done? Yeah, so that was the big one. We ha- we actually finished that campaign. God, that was fun. Aegon for Glory is the name of the game. It came out, I think, in like 2012 or something. So, uh, a DM that we know, Tamsa, who has run games. We've played in his games many times before. In fact, he was the first time we, we ever played Ten Candles was with Tamsa. He ran this game, and it was you and I and... Um, somebody that we play with on one of the Discord forums, L, we play with a lot. And then there was another fourth player for the final of the three sessions. The game, oh, how would you describe the game? It's kind of like you're Greek heroes. Yeah, you're Greek heroes. Descendants of the gods. Descendants of the gods. Um, out there doing heroic stuff. Hopefully. Unless you were my character in the first game, who just kind of failed forward the whole time. Well, and it's interesting, <laughs> though, because you describe the way the game is played is, is so descriptive and interesting. It has, like, sort of a a mechanic of how you proclaim actions, which I thought was the kind of unique thing about the game, was how you proclaimed your actions and how in the proclamation of actions you use certain words to imply the use of your powers in the sense like calling upon a specific god or calling upon a trait that you had or even an item that you possessed and how you would use that like in your description and then you rolled the dice which were pooled because of those additions and you had to meet a target number and then the person who had the highest number got like the most glory yeah so every task that you did you accrued glory right but the thing i think that was the most fascinating thing about it was not was that those mechanics perfectly paired 
with the theme of the game. Perfectly. I mean, I felt like I was playing a Greek hero, and all three of us were playing very different characters. Oh, so different. So yours was kind of based roughly on... Yeah, Hesperos, and I was playing, yeah, the... Um, Dude from Game of Thrones. Yeah, the bald guy. What's his name? See, this is what you're, the problem is when we're tired. Varys. 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 Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I had him as my picture, but I was basically the morally gray advisor. Silver-tongued. Silver-tongued. Your character was... Ruthius. Ruthius. Granddaughter of Ares. Super bloodthirsty. Yeah, sort of granddaughter Ragey. of war. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh. Elle was playing, what was the character's oh, name? Oh, God, was the great. name was so great. It was a really good name. She did such a good job in that, in that role. But anyway, she played sort of like, um, uh, I don't know how you would describe it. Almost like an adventure. Light-footed. Light-footed, yeah, so she was like... character type. Bows, thrown items. Graceful. Graceful. Yeah. Um, Chrysophenia. Chrysophenia. Yes, That's right, that go. was her name. So that that was a lot of fun. And just so you know, I didn't look that up. I just pulled that out of my mind. You did. And so basically the, the, the plot is, is that you're on a ship... And you're traveling home after like doing some stuff, and the gods like sweep you up into these. Because they like playing with you. Yeah, they sweep you up into these mysterious aisles where you have to like basically do what they tell you to do. Like you have to go on these adventures, and they it was so fun. It was so fun, and Tams is a great DM. Um, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun. That was one of the most fun games I've had. I had a sore throat at each one of those games. Because <laughs> we're always sick now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I would check that game out if you're not familiar with it. Aegon for Glory. It was a really, really great game. We had a, real, a ton of fun with that. We also played some Desanction, which I loved running. The Desanction is an yep. Elizabethan era supernatural game um had a lot of fun with that more fail forward for me because yeah. my dice rolls i did not know you could statistically roll so many ones on so many different dice that's such a weird and twisted game though it's so good it um is good. and they just got the uh they just put out a second kickstarter for that game for a set a book of adventures for the desanction and that company is doing the second edition of the Cthulhu hack which uses the same the same kind of mechanical role mechanical style like as far as like dice rolling and statistics and things like that but it's a you know Cthulhu mythos kind of based game um in second edition for that one they have and a kickstarter speaking, going we right did now. do um, a round of Cthulhu Yep, we did a round of Cthulhu Mummy. With Nick. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, Nick plays in the um plays in the desanction game. But Nick is uh, a great he is a tremendous Cthulhu GM. He just knows it backwards and forwards. He keeps it moving. And that mummy was terrifying. Like it was a one off and basically it was pretty straightforward. You like basically go to a blood ritual and like the mummy arises and then you have to stop it before everybody dies. 
<laughs> that's basically, basically it. yeah. Good, 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 straightforward Cthulhu. And thing. then you ran Yokai Hunter Society. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. You ran it twice. I ran the same adventure twice. I did it one for, um, for the online for the Discord Discord group. group, and then I ran it for NerdBurgerCon, and we put that in the YouTube. So if you're interested. You can check that out, but that was uh, NerdBurgerCon, and NerdBurger is the company that does low stakes and Nowhereville and what once went stakes. wrong and all these great games. So that was fun to, to do that for for NerdBurger because I I really like their their games. In fact, I just backed another game that just finished up its um, Kickstarter run, and these games are usually cheap, like fifteen bucks, and you get a really nice game. Um, so that that's a lot of fun, and uh, and that was that was cool to do. So yeah, we've been we've done some gaming. I mean, you know, in we the last two. We haven't really been doing the Dragonlance game. No. We just needed a break. We did a Ravenloft. We did a Ravenloft game, and that's it was pretty fun. It was it's been fun, but but yeah, looking forward to maybe trying to get back into it a little bit and and um, and doing some stuff. But anyway, let's get into our main topic of the week, shall we? Sure. All right, here we go. Don't worry. <coughs> Don't worry. I'm not gonna do what everyone <coughs> thinks I'm gonna up, do. Flip out! Look, look, I've got a major problem, okay? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. You have no power over me. Groans and moans. All right, so our topic for the week. Yes. It's only a game. It's only a game. Now, some of this, I think, stemmed from Mike's passing because, you know, obviously, and we'll talk about this in a future episode, but, you know, we had a bit of a falling out over the game. Over a game. And I think that that's a, it's a really important thing that kind of gets lost sometimes and it's an important thing to remember we are literally playing games now let's not i think we've got to dive deep into this because we get emotionally invested in these characters i mean like you, you put a lot of time and energy and effort into it and it's it's not a it's a hobby that requires time investment like all hobbies do but you know like there's rarely a game session that's like less than two hours minimum right and so like you're spending a lot of time and i know i at least i take on the persona and i start thinking as the character and i kind of get into it and you know, so when things happen, emotions can run high, but it's only a game. It's still a game. The point of it is you're getting together with friends and you're playing a game. And I really think that gets lost a lot of the time. I don't think it had previously gotten lost. I think the situation that popped up with Mike was just, I don't know. because you get so emotionally invested in a game and you 
feel like you know a game very well, then you feel like a game should be played a specific way. And I think that that was the issue that kept coming up. And, um, and it made it problematic uh, for other players. And, and even though it was only a game, like you could feel a weight during the games. Mm-hmm. But see, that's the my point though about that is is that if the game is not, if you don't like the way the game is being played, it doesn't have to be a personality issue. Just don't play the game. It's a game. So we had. I'll use an example. We played this. You know, we mentioned earlier in the episode we played this mummy game, and it was a Cthulhu game. And there was one character, it was a really big group. It was like six, seven, eight players or something so like that. Players. It was a lot, a lot of lot players. Of players. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's really easy to get kind of lost in the shuffle. And... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. Sorry. And so there's a mummy that's unveiling... The whole game is we get summoned to this mansion. There's a mummy that's going to be unveiled. We're playing Cthulhu. It's Cthulhu. You know something bad's going to happen. Yeah, and nobody comes out okay. No. It's also a one-shot where we're playing pregens. Okay? So, I positioned my character right next to the mummy. Yes, you did. So, I knew that there was... A solid chance that I might immediately get ripped apart. <laughs> right? It could absolutely happen in Cthulhu. And I kind of like it. But that's just me because I like that. Yeah. I like that a little bit in games. Like, I don't really, I don't know. That's just kind of my part of my personality. But, like, one player in that game decided that they were going to their character was like this is wrong we're not gonna i'm not gonna be involved goes outside of the door doesn't want to be involved in the oh, mummy is thing the donk? yeah oh yeah but that person was very problematic okay sure that character almost dies because knocked unconscious like all this stuff i think and we I, only went back for that character for pity for the player I mean, I don't even know if I did that. Actually, I didn't care at all. I didn't even go in that direction. Guys, just as a side note, don't argue with the DM. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> just don't. Especially, I mean, Nick knows what he's talking about. But anyway, the, the <laughs> I mean, like, Nick's a master <laughs> at, at Yeah, you take damage too. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? I know what the mummy's power is. You don't. <laughs> but, so, the character ends up like getting knocked unconscious and is pretty ineffective during the entire session. And what you didn't see because you're not as actively involved in that server as I am is that the player was like complaining like, oh, I just couldn't do this. I couldn't do anything. I just felt like useless, the point of them. And everybody's like, it's just, you know, it was just a one-off, you know, like some, that's kind of what Cthulhu is. Yeah, but you in never a horror know. movie, you never separate from the group. And this person took their character all the way across the mansion by itself. I, I, the, the, sure. But my point was, is that the person, the player, essentially said, was essentially like, 
emotionally impacted by the fact that its character was ineffective and nearly taken out in a one-shot Cthulhu game for Halloween month for like a week. It's only a game. That's my point. It's... There is no reason to get all worked up to live with that. Yeah, well, I think he tried to get back at Nick. I know. Well, we won't get into that. But it it's... I see this kind of stuff all the time. And, I mean, I get emotionally invested, too, sometimes. And, like, sometimes I get upset. Especially in games where I'm playing in, a, like, a longer-term campaign where my character starts... It's going to be very cold in this house if Tick Tick dies. And I'm not just talking about winter. <laughs> Tick Tick is, of course, Gretchen's character, Kender character in the Dragonlance Uncharted game that I run. Which we're now on session 68. And he's still going. See, that's the thing, though, is that if you were to die now, you're much more emotionally invested in it. Oh, my God. And I can kind of, like, get into the notion of, like, emotionally, getting emotionally invested in a game where you're playing a character for 60-plus-some sessions. I mean, like... You've literally played Tick Tick for like 150 to 200 hours of time playing Tick Tick. Yeah, and Tick Tick's really been my pandemic mind escape. We started playing that game in February of 2020. Yeah. So like, like it essentially, pretty much all went online throughout the pandemic. Yeah. And, yeah. So and we we're we haven't played as consistently recently because of reasons we've already mentioned, but. Previously, I mean, where we've been pretty consistent. I mean, and even still, 68 sessions in, you know, whatever, a year and a half is pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, to keep it going with kids and schedules and all that kid. stuff. One kid. We're the Other ones people. with kids. Oh, we're the only ones with a kid. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I'm a DM and I have a toddler and I've made it go 68 sessions. I'm giving myself a pat on the back literally right now <laughs> here. Okay, for that. But I think you can get, you know, I, I'm kind of okay with people being more emotionally invested in that. And I will admit, I will too. You're talking about a one-off? Oh, yeah. No, I for a one-off, I'm just, put me in there. My character's going to die or go insane or maybe they'll survive. And then I'll just shrug it off, especially a pre-gen. It's also a really great opportunity to try out new character types because, yes. like, yes. if it doesn't work or you don't like it, then you can abandon. You, you're only doing it for one session, and if you do like it, you can bring it back. I have a character that I I've learned that I that I tried out that I really kind of like now. I really did not like my character in Yokai. It, you're probably not going to play that character again. Then. No. No, I'm not going to do any of the pre-gens for Yokai. You just weird. make your own. Yeah, I think so. Make your own. That's fine. Now you know. It was very constricting. Well, you could ex-government man with a uniform. Well, you could have done. You had like a secret or something. You could have kept re-rolling until you. Got I what you... rolled <laughs> so many times. At first, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna roll once and take it. And I got. I don't remember what I got. But I was like, oh my god, no. So I just kept rolling. Okay, but here's my here's the great point about this, and this is why, and I'm going to pat you in the back right now. 
Can because you just, could you actually just massage my shoulders? <laughs> you didn't like the character that you played, right? You weren't satisfied with it. You don't feel good about that particular session. This is literally the first time you've mentioned it to me. It's only a game. It wasn't a great session. You've moved on. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't <coughs> like... It wasn't like you didn't have fun playing the Mummy Cthulhu game, because we did have a blast. You and I had really, we had fun characters in that game. Yeah, I had the old, rich, white woman. And I had the sort of worn-out, cokehead player, playboy, basically, (laughs) which was really fun. Oh, my God. Which was a pre-made, too, pre-gen. That was pre-gen. That was really fun. And so, like, you know, that's the thing is it is only a game, you know what I mean? The most important thing, and this is always come back to this, is just to have fun. I mean, I think about that, especially with what happened with Mike. It's so much more about, for me at least, it's so much more about just being with my friends, trying to have a good time, share a couple laughs, tell a little bit of story, roll some dice, play a game, get out of worrying about pandemic or a sick kid or or school or car payments or work or say this is you know disagreements are bound to come up a strong friendship can see it through but just keep in mind you don't always have as much time as you think you do Mm -hmm. that's absolutely true and I think that some of the friendships that we forge at game tables can be some of the strongest and longest lasting friendships because of the very nature of the game. You're sharing stories. You're having deep conversations with people. You are in conversation. It's not like, oh, let's go to the movies and I'll stare at a screen. You're having an interactive experience with people that lasts two, three, four plus hours at a time week after week month after month heroic in ways that you don't that you aren't in real life which kind of creates stronger bonds too like you're rescuing each other's characters and i mean that was the thing about yeah at least when we played um supernatural with mike because his character was extremely loyal and would do anything to protect his character was him his character was him jack roberts and uh Yeah. Anyway, Mike, rest in peace. We'll talk more about him. But just remember, it is only a game. And, you know, if those feelings are getting a little hot, and I'm not here to preach or anything like that, but just consider that maybe it's not as important as you think, as the friendship is with the person who's sitting on the other side of the table, as you might think in that moment. Um, Because it is, it really is, it's only a game in the end. And the most important thing is the people that you're playing with. You know, that's the most important thing. So, shall we wrap up this segment? Yeah, that's all I got in me. All right. That brings us to the end of our return episode here. Thanks for tuning in. Wanted to mention really quickly, you know, we kind of, at the end of the show, we often talk about... um, 
books and other things that we've been doing. And you just finished the Audacity series by Carmen, Carmen Loop. Yeah. How was that? Talk about it. What is the Audacity series? So basically, uh, uh, a person, uh, May, June, July, is abducted by aliens, but it leads her on this crazy adventure with uh, another character, San, and eventually his sister and some other people. And um, I don't know. You know, the first book was extremely... um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but then it hit its own stride in books two and three, and I really kind of liked... Okay, so I don't know. I think we've talked about this before, but me and made-up languages. I have an issue with them, (laughs) right? But... Oh, God. I mean, don't. It's it's horrible. But I kind of liked how Carmen created some words and... You know, I don't know. I liked it. And just the insanity of some of the adventures that they would get in. And um, I don't know. It was just fun. It was just fun. And it it ended on a good note. So it gave me warm fuzzies. And um, Well, you know, it's interesting. So it's, it's, I've read the first of the three books. I happened to interview Carmen for my day job, which is writing about arts and culture for the local newspaper here in Savannah. And I hadn't read the book, but I was kind of intrigued by everything that Carmen was doing. So I interviewed them and and then I ended up reading the book, the first book, and I was like, I really like this. And I've never read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You read it and you said it was a bit derivative of that. But Carmen told me that books two and three were better. I loved the first book. I thought oh, yeah. I thought the first no. book was really good. It was still good. Like, you know, I I have a loyalty to Hitchhiker's Guide, but I don't know. I think I think the homage was actually pretty good and it really kind of set the stage for later on. Well, I have to admit, I was setting the stage a little bit as a setup for you because there's a new game that we're going to be getting here really soon. It's called Cosmic Hooligans, and it's a game that I backed for Zine Quest 3 back in February of this year. Just a little zine game. Um, but it is essentially, it makes me feel like when I was reading Audacity, I was like, this seems like the game Cosmic Hooligans. So it might be kind of interesting, because I kind of like a quirky, humorous sci-fi as maybe like a two or three session kind of like a little arc could be really fun to play like an RPG. I wonder if Carmen plays. We should ask. We should ask them. We should ask them and see if she if they do. Um, And I was just finished reading the Broken Empire trilogy by... So dark, so grim. (laughs) By Mark Lawrence because I'm totally in the grim dark right now. Um, Prince of Thorns, King of Thorns, and Emperor of Thorns. I just finished the third book today and oh I really want to like run some grim dark fantasy now because... It's just, I like the grittiness of it, you know, and the, and the sort of like, one of the things I love about this kind of fantasy, and it's sort of the, you know, the most famous of it is George R. R. Martin and the Song of Ice and Fire, the grim, dark sort of fantasy stuff, is that it has magic, 
it has monsters, it has stuff like that in it, but it's a slow reveal on those things, and those things aren't really that present in the lives of ordinary people. So, like, one of the things that's kind of, I've kind of started to move further and further away from, like, in my fantasy RPG and, like, what I want out of it is that high fantasy where it's, like, if there's magic everywhere and, like, magical beings everywhere and it's, like, so, like, I kind of like that, like, magic is special or rare or scary or... Well, that was something you really liked about Game of Thrones. Yeah. And so this has got a similar thing. Um, it's a really fascinating... You're still going to watch Wheel of Time with me, though, right? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I can't wait to watch Wheel of Time. Um, now, not, I, I'm just saying, like, from the perspective of running a game. Yeah, okay. Um, I kind of like that. We don't um, really overuse that in Dragonlance. Dragonlance is a pretty high magic world, though. It's not it as is, much so as... but it as... doesn't come up every game. Like, no. It's just kind of... Except Melanor's flying broom. That's Melanor basically fries, flies on a blue room all the time, and Tic Tic's always invisible. So it does come up pretty much all okay, the time. Okay, but, but, but Tic Tic is always invisible, which makes it normal. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, is that high magic is normal. Whereas in these stories, they're like legends, or many of the normal people haven't even heard of or seen I mean, they've heard of it but it's like all sort of folktale or 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 kind of outside of their lives um and so i kind of like that so anyway i'm interested in that i might try to explore that a little bit in role playing here in the future and let's um, just leave dragonlance a little shiny oh, i'm gonna leave dragonlance a little shiny okay yeah we can get real dark and other yeah. stuff we're, we're starting to move in the direction of the end of that campaign we still got a long a ways to go but we're how many how many sessions are you aiming for? Well, I'm going to do three more main adventures, one side quest, and then the big finale. So, maybe 20, 25 sessions more. Well, I'm glad I can emotionally prepare. Well, and one of the, and the side quests is going to involve hamsters. Which I'm really excited about, except for the fact that all of Tic Tic's mounts die. <laughs> well, maybe this won't. Maybe that's because you haven't had the right mount. That's true. That's true. Though the big war horse is working out so far. Zatoll. Zatoll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here, Gretch. Thanks, everybody, yeah. for listening. Thanks, Thanks for everyone. being patient. Um, and I know we're a little mopey today, but thank you for, for sticking with us. And, um, and we'll be back hopefully pretty soon with another fresh episode. And um, I'll give you the recap of, or Gretchen and I will give you the recap of Galorian Con or Gordonac Con. I'm not really sure. Gal no, wait, his, his name is Galgorian, right? Is it Galgorian? I don't know, man. The, Are there monks chanting? It's Galgori, Galgoracon. Galgoracon 2021. The fake real convention on Discord. Which is put together by... Jeremy Childry. Yes. The creator of Cocaine and Alligators. And so much more. And so much more. In fact, we're going to be playtesting one of his new games, so we'll talk about that on the next episode. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. 
email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymakes3.